With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Hey everyone, here it is, the latest episode of Let's Do Influencing. Hope you enjoy. Uh, Carrie Millspaw, really excited to have you here today. And I think, Carrie, the best starting point for our viewers and listeners who may be discovering you for the very first time would be to get you, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about your journey and your backstory. Boy, it's always a tough question to answer. You're like, how far back do I go? Once upon a time, I was born, and you just don't know how, where to start. <laughs> but the beauty, the beauty of it all is we all come from a place of conception of how did I get into this business? And I'm sure you can relate, Corey, you feel like this is all I've ever done, but life really does prepare you for where you're at right now, by all means. So back in 2005, I started in the wellness industry. I'm going to make this short and sweet. And I had discovered whole food supplements, got my holistic nutrition degree. I was going to put my super cape on and save the world and make everybody better and heal them from the inside out. And I did for a short time. And I was a stay-at-home mom at the time. And it was a nice little space to play in, but it was more of a hobby, not a business. I wasn't you know, really required. I was married at the time, had a great income coming in. Didn't really need to make money, but I wanted to feel important. you know. And all of us can say that. We want to feel like we're giving back somehow, some way. So fast forward to 2008, I get a divorce, leave my Midwest hometown to Las Vegas, otherwise known as Sin City, this evil move that I made. Um, <laughs> I've been here ever since. And I started working for a global business coaching company. And from there is where it really adopted into my heart, the, the entrepreneur stuff, the whole mindset behind building your own business. And I took it and just ran with it. I helped that global business, which is the largest business coaching company in the world. I helped grow it from 26 countries to 55 in my five year stay there. But as most can say, when you're in the entrepreneur, you know, in the corporate world, eventually you hit a ceiling of, okay, I've outgrown this position. I've outgrown the income. Now what? And it was at that point that my heart just started getting pulled to Carrie, you're not happy or just comfortable. So I reached out to an online marketing coach that I had been following for years and reached out to her and connected with her. Like, what do you do? Hired her and I created my exit strategy to leave the corporate world for good and grab onto my business. Now I'm a single mom without any other support. And I wouldn't suggest anyone just do this without some rational thought and some strategic planning, but it is possible. You know, and I, I it is you do kind of check your social life at the door when that happens, but it is possible. So and back in 2013, that's when that happened. And I've jumped onto my business ever since. It's been the best thing I've ever done. But I have switched into the online business marketing, paid speaking type of world, which is really where I choose to play. And it just keeps growing. We're growing in two different directions right now. We've kind of got the online branding and business. And we've got the speaking agency. So I'm doing that two corporation dance right now, which is a lot of fun and a lot of paperwork. But it's super exciting. So that's just a little bit about Carrie. <laughs> wow. I love that in so many directions I could go from there, Carrie. One of them, I love what you said about, you know, you're, you're happy. I mean, you're comfortable, but you're not happy. And sadly, I think there's a lot of people that could echo that. 
they're you know they're very comfortable where they're at but they're not happy and we don't realize i think until we maybe get older and older can be relative you know it could be 25 for some people it could be 60 but i don't think we realize until we get older how short this life journey really is and so and, and like you said i'm not also saying to somebody that if you don't have an exit plan and cash flow i'm not saying to somebody jump ship but what i am saying is it is unfortunate to hear somebody who spent their whole life being comfortable but not happy and so right. it has to be a point where you either have a balance or you say what gives and so i'm glad you mentioned that because i think that on its own is a great quote you know strive for being happy and comfortable perhaps I mean, yes you can have both that's just it we think we can't absolutely sacrifice to be comfortable yeah and the other side is i i think it's you know that's one of the things that i notice about your facebook posts all the time uh, and maybe this is just something we all have this fascination fascination with vegas but i always see underneath <laughs> when you're doing stuff and then it'll it'll list the place you're at and it'll say las vegas and i'm like you, you at the other day it was just i think you're at a health i mean uh, at a gym or a health center or something and you talk about how it's always busy and just there's something about it. I'm always like, I wish I was in Vegas today. Every time I see your posts, <laughs> come on over. <laughs> it's, but I mean, it's one of those places for sure. Uh, and you know, and I'm sure for clients, if I don't know, it, it's just the way we are, whether we like it or not. I'm sure there's probably some mystique of, you know, my coach lives in Vegas. You know what I mean? Like there's something about Vegas that's sort of the I don't know what it is. Right. City or something. She's coached me from the blackjack table. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, I, I don't live on the Strip. I'm very, very far away from the Strip, and I prefer the nature, but. You know, most people think of Vegas, they think of the strip naturally or the shows or the gambling and the rest of us locals really just boring suburb wives and, and housewives is what we really are. Moms, that's all it is. <laughs> gotcha. and, and, you know, and like I said, it's something that I think it's because, you know, whether we've been to Vegas multiple times like myself or whether you've watched it on TV, you have this certain perception of Vegas. Just like yes. I'm, I'm a big fan as well of uh, L.A. because I, I grew up in the 80s glam rock scene. Yeah. So I have this yeah. of the, you know, the, the sunset strip and all this stuff that existed whenever, you know, it, it still exists today, but not to what it was, but I still have the memories of what it was. So it has the yeah. certain magic to me. Totally get that. So, so Carrie, I guess then when we talk about coaching, so, I mean, there's so many areas, like I say, we could go here, but the question I always like to ask anybody who works with clients that are stuck, let's say whatever that stuck means again in their life in their business, wherever that may be, is the why. So, and I know, you know, you deal with clients and, and on a coaching side, I'm sure you deal with as many different personalities as you do clients. So I know there's, there's no easy answer to this, but are there some common reasons? I'm just thinking for that person that's maybe stuck as they're listening to this, but are there some common commonalities or reasons or traits you see that get people stuck? And, and if so, are there some common solutions? Is that a fair question to ask? Yes, <laughs> fairly. So stuck in their business or stuck in life? I guess either or. I mean, it's obviously it's a different answer depending, right? So right. what they're stuck at in their personal life is going to be different than their business. But I mean, maybe just is there one common thing that you see people really have a challenge with that gets them stuck and, and doesn't let them get past the wall in their personal life? And then the other side is in business? Well, you know, it's interesting because I'm a business and lifestyle coach and the lifestyle part sometimes takes over. And that's what messes up the business. I had a client last year, her business was doing well but her family life was not. So we had to do a little timeout. What's going on here? Why are you stressed out? What's going on in your marriage? Why do you feel like a bad mom? She had two little boys at the time. And 
as soon as we corrected that, it's no different than like getting a chiropractic adjustment. It's like, oh, my head feels better because you got your lower back adjusted. It's, it just shifted everything and she made more money than she's ever made. Her entire life changed once we kind of balanced out those areas. So sometimes it's work-life balance. Um, being stuck in life or business, sometimes it's you get to that plateau and you're comfortable. And you're like, why is nothing changing? Because it's time to get uncomfortable again. You know, it's like time to go outside of that. Because we do grow and our comfort zone gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I look at the things that my clients are afraid of. I'm like, was I ever afraid of that? Was that at one point? Yeah, many moons ago. But now your comfort zone's so big and stretched. It's like, well, what's outside of that that I get to play with today? I need to do something that scares me a little bit. That's when we'll expand and our income expands as well, which is beautiful. So if you're stuck, it's because you're comfortable. You haven't jumped into that next fear zone. So find out something that scares you and let's go tackle it. That's literally what I do with my clients. And it could be just skydiving. It could be something like asking their boss for a raise. It could be something so simple, but let's find that one thing that scares you and let's make that go away. That's literally what catapults people to the next level. So I, you know, it's funny, you're speaking my language as, you know, that whole term of you're preaching to the choir, you're speaking my language <laughs> so far, so much so that my latest, my last TEDx talk, that's what it's about. It's literally about that subject of how do we expand our comfort zone? And the reason that I put that, it was because, so it's interesting you found a commonality is I've done, uh, now we're approaching 5,000 interviews with high achievers personally, one-on-one -on -one interviews. And my, I've had like three or four most common, let's say elements or traits or discoveries that I share regularly. But one of the ones that's always underlying is these top achievers have found ways to step outside and grow their comfort zone. So it's kind of a reverse thing. It's not that that's what the challenge is. I've noticed they've all been able to do it and they had to do it to get to where they are today. So that's why yes. I decided I want to talk to other people about how they can do this. And like you said, there's different ways, of course, sometimes for people, yeah. you know, skydiving is a different example, but than what I can explain, but say stand up comedy, which is one of the first things I did that was really outside my comfort zone. And, I, I get tricked onto the stage. And when people say to me, you know, I want to try stand up or speaking, how do you get, how do you get there? I say, well, you don't follow my path. Like you don't fall onto it <laughs> when you're terrified of speaking in public and start performing stand up. And, but what you could do is you could go to a local comedy club and watch other comics and study what's working. You could interview another comic. You could go to a Toastmasters meeting right. and, and learn a little bit about communicating. There's so many other smaller steps you could take. Read, uh, there's a, we had a guest, uh, Judy Carter, who wrote the Comedy Bible. You could read the Comedy Bible and learn you know, from the lady who teaches more comics than anybody I've ever come across. So there's lots of things you could do to start growing your comfort zone. And these would be like your mini steps. And each time you take one, your comfort zone grows a little bit. But what's really cool is after you've taken four or five of them, you go, whoa, now stepping on the stand-up stage doesn't look as big as it once did. I said that right. might apply as much to, to uh, jumping out of a plane because there's not a whole lot of previous steps. Like you could take the indoor skydiving, I suppose. Uh, you go through the training and maybe you could go through the training and say, I'm not sure if I'm actually going to jump, but I'm willing to pay for the training. I mean, there's probably many steps you can take, uh, but probably not as many as most other things. I've jumped out of a plane and I know that the only way I did it was that I had to basically book the appointment and then get ready to do it. <laughs> I jumped off the stratosphere here in Las Vegas first, and then I booked my my sky my jump. Wow! You know what? I think I could jump uh, out of a plane easier than the stratosphere. So you. It was scarier. I won't lie. It was scarier standing on that pedestal and knowing that the ground's 855 feet below. Yeah. 
I think it's different jumping off of that than getting pulled out of the plane. <laughs> did you hear that on Facebook? Because I think I, I saw. Oh yeah, you had a it's video all out there. I have documents of everything. Okay. See, I, I did just to just dwell on this for five seconds. Yeah. I did eighteen months where I booked something new that I've never done before, every month, and I held myself accountable. And the way I would do it too is I would post it on Facebook, and of course we can always delete this, but I would say. I'm going to skydive this weekend on Friday. So by Monday, everybody's looking for pictures. I want proof. And I'm like, I got to hold myself accountable to my tribe. You know, it's just a way we've got to do that. Otherwise we'll chicken out or we'll have an excuse. But for 18 months, I did this. And sometimes it was skydiving. It was whitewater rafting. I bought a motorcycle. I got a motorcycle's license. I redid the motorcycle. I taught myself to snowboard. Not everything's an adrenaline junkie, crazy sport. Some people thought I had a death wish. They thought, oh my gosh, what's wrong with her? Um, but some of it was just horseback riding in the mountains, you know, stuff I hadn't done since like summer camp when I was nine years old, but it forced me outside of who I am. I went repelling off the red rocks. I'm like, I'm bulletproof. I am bulletproof. Nobody's died yet. If you're okay with dying, you could do these. <laughs> as long as you're okay with dying, you can keep moving forward. But it expanded my relationships, my income, everything shifted in my life because you're expanding as a human being. So everything vibrates at a different level. So it was just so much fun. Uh, I need to do that again because it worked like crazy. I need to get a new list. It's hard when you've got like 18 of them that you killed. You okay. know, I just went through them all. It's like, I need ideas, guys. Help me fill this bucket list, this next list, because it does make a difference. And it can be just, again, that one thing that terrifies you. Some people are whitewater rafters and they do that all day long. I had to get a life coach to coach me through that. You know, it wasn't no easy, okay, I'm, I'm getting your life jacket on. Yay, life is good. No, I had to get coached for two weeks before I got in the raft. So not everything's easy, but some stuff is, you know, it's, it's still that expansion of a, a fear of the unknown, basically. Yeah, I think, past. I can't remember the name of it, but there's a book, I think, like The Power of Yes or something like that, about a, a lady who said yes, I think, every day of the week for like uh, I love that. For a year. And, oh, gosh. That's a good one. That was yes to everything. Like if somebody asked her out, like everything. And, and I, I didn't even, like I, I heard an interview with her. I don't think I read the book, but I wondered at the time if she was married, like, does that mean if, if somebody asks you out and you're married, <laughs> you don't yeah. you, does that still mean you have to say yes? Even proposed? Like, yeah. yeah. Like the Jim Carrey movie, uh, what was it called? Yes Man, I think. And that was, I think that was based mm -hmm. on her story as well. But, and the movie, The Bucket List. I mean, there's something to be yeah. said about this because I did the same thing, Carrie, where, I, I essentially said yes to the things I would have said no to before. I didn't necessarily yeah. have a system where I said, okay, I'm going to say yes every day of the year, but I did definitely dive in. And you know, one of the ones that was the hardest for me, which this is where people sometimes, like you said, we think of the adrenaline junkie things. And I, I actually did a talk called living your own bucket list because of just this. I jumped out of a plane, but for me, it was once I was done, it didn't hold any, like I wasn't super excited once I was on the ground. I was excited about the rush when I did it, but I didn't have the same mm -hmm. rush when I done. I was just like, it's done. But I'll tell you what was harder for me and lasted longer was I had never told my mother or my, even my grandfather that I loved them. And that was a major fear mm -hmm. for me to say those words. I was just raised in a way that even though I knew my family loved me, it was never said. And, but my mother always said it as I get older. Like I was never said when I was young. And then maybe I got 20 and moved away. I'm an only child, so I think something hit her that this might be, any day could be the last day. He doesn't live near me anymore. Right. And so I started doing that. Well, that was a harder thing to strike off the bucket list than jumping out of the plane. So we all have our yep. thing, right, as you said. Yep. Well, emotional rejection is much more fearful than breaking a bone. 
yeah, that's Way probably I think that's probably what it was. So we've covered a couple <laughs> things now. Yeah, okay. on the broken heart or yeah, absolutely. Well, and and <laughs> you know, so already in, in this little journey we've had, we've covered uh, the idea. Of, well, first we talked about what you did. We've talked about uh, the most common. That's a huge thing. The most common thing you find people run into, which is uh, the comfort zone thing, such a big thing, and also the benefits of expanding your comfort zone. So if mm -hmm. I take you down this path of the coaching side of things, one of the things I see all the time, Carrie, is that people struggle with the idea of having a coach. And then probably just as a big a struggle is finding the right coach. Because I've noticed that there's a lot of coaches these days. You know, I had somebody in the show and he said, yeah, it seems like every day I open my door, I trip over a coach on the way out to the sidewalk. And he's a coach's coach. He helps coaches. So it seems like there's a lot of coaching now. Uh, so how, Carrie, do you recommend that people, first of all, why is it important to have a coach? That's the first block for some people is why should I even bother? And secondly, how do you choose a coach in your opinion, given there's so many people to choose from, how do you choose the right one? Well, that's a great, great question and observation. Back in 2005, when I started coaching, I actually had to stop and educate what a coach was. That's how much, how far we've come in 12 years. I'm like, it's a coach, kind of like a sports coach, but you know, not a consultant, you know, just it was a silly dance to even get that impression through like, what's a coach? Thank you that we at least get that now. There's a coach for everything out there these days. Well, if you look at it, we go through life with a teacher. Why would we continue without a teacher through the big parts of life? Just because you graduated high school or college doesn't mean we don't no longer need a mentor of some sort, especially a certain area of your life. So just being aware of the fact that you need a mentor is step one. Step two is seeing that coaching is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. And knowing that your favorite athlete out there has probably got multiple coaches, even though they're the best in their category, they still want to be even better because your best, you know, always compete with your best version of yourself. The three reasons why you would hire a coach, in my opinion, is education. They're going to know something you don't know. And you never know, and you don't know what you don't know. That's the biggest place most people play. If they just accept, I don't know what I don't know, and go forward, they're going to find the right coach. So education is number one. Number two is accountability. You will always find an excuse to not do your goal or put off that dream until next year, till next year, one New Year's resolution after another, and you're still in the same boat, okay? So hold that person holding you accountable does magic, which is like I why I like to work with people privately. They know where the next call, they've got homework and it's got to get done, you know, and they don't dare show up to that session without it. That pushes them forward, even if it's just baby steps, like you mentioned before. The third reason is that outside perspective. We see life like this. We've got our blinders on. We're like, why isn't this working? I can zoom in in seconds and go, well, you're missing a link here in your marketing and you didn't do any follow up here. Your leads are literally falling off into the never, never land. You know, it's like so crystal clear. Plus, as a coach, I'm not emotionally attached to what's happening in your life. And I can physically see, because I'm on the mountain here looking into a valley versus you just being stuck, you know, in that moment. So I'm sure you've heard the saying, you can't see the forest through the trees. You can't. You got to get up on the mountainside, you know, you kind of see it from that perspective. So those are the three reasons I personally believe you should hire a coach and have those three components in place. Hiring one is a challenge. Even I have a challenge. And I've worked with many beautiful, wonderful souls. Um, I think chemistry is number one, connecting. You've got this person's your co-creator in your life. This person's by your side. I like to be the guide from the side 
I want to co-create your life with you. Why? Because I'm super selfish and want to see the results, you know, up close and up front, you know, it's more fun. You can speak at an event, but you don't know whose life you changed that day. They could go home and make a change in six months. And it was because of something you said, but you don't get to, you don't get to see the fun part of, oh my goodness, I did what you told me, unless they circle back. And that doesn't always happen. It's a small percentage that do that. So I like to see the wins. I want to celebrate them along the way. So chemistry is a huge one. You need to hire the person that is already where you want to be. That's really where it goes. I would rather hire someone that's been through the process than someone that's just read about the process. There's a huge difference because we know what it looks like, tastes like, smells like to walk through that fire because we've already been there than someone who's like, oh, I'm just educated professor over here and I've got a degree in it. Fabulous. But have you ever been there? Have you been a single mom that was coaching out of her car on a lunch break just because she wanted to build her business on the side so she could be a hands-on mom in the future? That's the kind of person I want to hire. You know, someone that's gone through it and, and obstacle or not, they made it happen. So that's the key. And that's why I think it's so important for us to share our stories from the stage, share our stories and like, like we are today, podcast interviews on social media, because that's what's going to pull in your client. It's that commonality. Oh, I'm a single mom. I want to work with Carrie, you know, that kind of thing. And it's not a, not a surprise that a lot of my clients are single moms. So I, I love that Carrie for a specific reason. Hey everyone, here it is, the latest episode of Let's Do Influencing. Hope you enjoy. Uh, Carrie Millspaw, really excited to have you here today. And I think, Carrie, the best starting point for our viewers and listeners who may be discovering you for the very first time would be to get you, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about your journey and your backstory. Boy, it's always a tough question to answer. You're like, how far back do I go? Once upon a time, I was born, and you just don't know how, where to start. <laughs> but the beauty, the beauty of it all is we all come from a place of conception of how did I get into this business? And I'm sure you can relate, Corey. You feel like this is all I've ever done. But life really does prepare you for where you're at right now, by all means. So back in 2005, I started in the wellness industry. I'm going to make this short and sweet. And I had discovered whole food supplements, got my holistic nutrition degree. I was going to put my super cape on and save the world and make everybody better and heal them from the inside out. And I did for a short time and I was a stay at home mom at the time and it was a nice little space to play in, but it was more of a hobby, not a business. I wasn't you know, really required. I was married at the time, had a great income coming in, didn't really need to make money, but I wanted to feel important, you know, and all of us can say that we want to feel like we're giving back somehow, some way. So fast forward to 2008, I get a divorce, leave my Midwest hometown to Las Vegas otherwise known as Sin City, this evil move that I made. Um, <laughs> I've been here ever since. And I started working for a global business coaching company. And from there is where it really adopted into my heart the, the entrepreneur stuff, the whole mindset behind building your own business. And I took it and just ran with it. I helped that global business, which is the largest business coaching company in the world. I helped grow it from 26 countries to 55 in my five-year stay there. But as most can say, when you're in the, you know, in the corporate world, eventually you hit a ceiling of, okay, I've outgrown this position, I've outgrown the income, now what? And it was at that point that my heart just started getting pulled to, Carrie, you're not happy, you're just comfortable. 
So I reached out to an online marketing coach that I had been following for years and reached out to her and connected with her. Like, what do you do? Hired her and I created my exit strategy to leave the corporate world for good and grab onto my business. Now I'm a single mom without any other support. And I wouldn't suggest anyone just do this without some rational thought and some strategic planning, but it is possible. You know, and I, I, it is you to kind of check your social life at the door when that happens, but it is possible. So and back in 2013, that's when that happened. And I've jumped onto my business ever since it's been the best thing I've ever done, but I have switched into the online business marketing, paid speaking type of world, which is really where I choose to play. And it just keeps growing. We're growing in two different directions right now. We've kind of got the online branding and business and we've got the speaking agency. So I'm doing that two corporation dance right now, which is a lot of fun and a lot of paperwork, but it's super exciting. So that's just a little bit about Carrie. <laughs> wow. I love that in so many directions I could go from there, Carrie. One of them, I love what you said about, you know, you're, you're happy. I mean, you're, you're comfortable, but you're not happy. And sadly, I think there's a lot of people that could echo that. They're, you know, they're very comfortable where they're at, but they're not happy. And we don't realize, I think, until we maybe get older, and older can be relative, you know, it could be 25 for some people, it could be 60. But I don't think we realize until we get older how short this life journey really is. And so, and, and like you said, I'm not also saying to somebody that if you don't have an exit plan and cash flow, I'm not saying to somebody jump ship, but what I am saying mm -hmm. is it is unfortunate to hear somebody who spent their whole life being comfortable but not happy. And so right. it has to be a point where you either have a balance or you say, what gives? And so I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that on its own is a great quote you know, strive for being happy and comfortable, perhaps. I mean, yes, you can have both. That's just it. We think we can't Absolutely. sacrifice to be comfortable. Yeah. And the other side is, I, I think it's, you know, that's one of the things that I notice about your Facebook posts all the time. Uh, and maybe this is just something we all have this fascination, fascination with Vegas, but I always see underneath <laughs> when you're doing stuff and then it'll, it'll list the place you're at and it'll say Las Vegas. And I'm like, you, you, at the other day, it was just, I think you're at a health, I mean, uh, at a gym or a, health center or something and you talk about how it's always busy and just there's something about it I'm always like I wish I was in Vegas today every time I see your posts <laughs> come on over <laughs> it's, but I mean it's one of those places for sure uh, and you know and I'm sure for clients if I don't know it, it's just the way we are whether we like it or not I'm sure there's probably some mystique of you know my coach lives in Vegas you know what I mean like there's something about Vegas that's sort of the I don't know what it is right. city or something. she's coached me from the blackjack table no I'm kidding <laughs> But, I don't live on the strip. I'm very, very far away from the strip and I prefer the nature. But, you know, most people think of Vegas, they think of the strip naturally or the shows or the gambling. And the rest of us locals really just boring suburb wives and, and housewives is what we really are. Moms, that's all it is. <laughs> and, and, you know, and like I said, it's something that I think it's because, you know, whether we've been to Vegas multiple times like myself or whether you've watched it on TV, you have this certain perception of Vegas. Just like I'm, yes. I'm a big fan as well of uh, L.A. because I, I grew up in the 80s glam rock scene. Yeah. So I have this yeah. of the, you know, the, the Sunset Strip and all this stuff that existed whenever, you know, it, it still exists today, but not to what it was, but I still have the memories of what it was. So it has the yeah. certain magic to me. Totally get that. So, so Carrie, I guess then when we talk about coaching, so, I mean, there's so many areas, like I say, we could go here, but the question mm -hmm. I always like to ask anybody who works with clients that are stuck, let's say whatever that stuck means again in their life and their business, wherever that may be, is the why. So, and I know 
you know, you deal with clients and, and on a coaching side, I'm sure you deal with as many different personalities as you do clients. So I know there's, there's no easy answer to this, but are there some common reasons? I'm just thinking for that person that's maybe stuck as they're listening to this, but are there some common commonalities or reasons or traits you see that get people stuck? And, and if so, are there some common solutions? Is that a fair question to ask? Yes. <laughs> Fairly. So stuck in their business or stuck in life? I guess either or. I mean, it's obviously it's a different answer depending, right? So right. what they're stuck at in their personal life is going to be different than their business. But I mean, maybe just is there one common thing that you see people really have a challenge with that gets them stuck and, and doesn't let them get past the wall in their personal life? And then the other side is in business. Well, you know, it's interesting because I'm a business and lifestyle coach and the lifestyle part sometimes takes over and that's what messes up the business. I had a client last year, her business was doing well, but her family life was not. So we had to do a little timeout. What's going on here? Why are you stressed out? What's going on in your marriage? Why do you feel like a bad mom? She had two little boys at the time. And as soon as we corrected that, it's no different than like getting a chiropractic adjustment. It's like, oh, my head feels better because you got your lower back adjusted. It's, it just shifted everything and she made more money than she's ever made. Her entire life changed once we kind of balanced out those areas. So sometimes it's work-life balance. Um, being stuck in life or business, sometimes it's you get to that plateau and you're comfortable. You know, like, why is nothing changing? Because it's time to get uncomfortable again. You know, it's like time to go outside of that. Because we do grow and our comfort zone gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I look at the things that my clients are afraid of. like, was I ever afraid of that? Was that at one point? Yeah, many moons ago. But now your comfort zone's so big and stretched. It's like, well, what's outside of that that I get to play with today? I need to do something that scares me a little bit. That's when we'll expand and our income expands as well, which is beautiful. So if you're stuck, it's because you're comfortable. You haven't jumped into that next fear zone. So find out something that scares you and let's go tackle it. That's literally what I do with my clients. And it could be just skydiving. It could be something like asking their boss for a raise. It could be something so simple, but let's find that one thing that scares you and let's make that go away. That's literally what catapults people to the next level. So I, you know, it's funny. You're speaking my language as, you know, that whole term of you're preaching to the choir. You're speaking my language <laughs> so far, so much so that my latest, my last TEDx talk, that's what it's about. It's literally about that subject of how do we expand our comfort zone? And the reason that I put that, it was because, so it's interesting you found a commonality, is I've done, uh, now we're approaching 5,000 interviews with high achievers, personally, one-on-one -on -one interviews. And my, I've had like three or four most common, let's say elements or traits or discoveries that I share regularly. But one of the ones that's always underlying is these top achievers have found ways to step outside and grow their comfort zone. So it's kind of a reverse thing. It's not that that's what the challenge is. I've noticed they've all been able to do it and they had to do it to get to where they are today. So that's why yes. I decided I want to talk to other people about how they can do this. And like you said, there's different ways, of course. Sometimes for people, yeah. you know, skydiving is a different example, but than what I can explain, but say stand-up comedy, which is one of the first things I did that was really outside my comfort zone. And I, I get tricked onto the stage. And when people say to me, you know, I want to try stand up or speaking, how do you get, how do you get there? I say, well, you don't follow my path. Like you don't fall onto it <laughs> when you're terrified of speaking in public and start performing stand up. And, but what you could do is you could go to a local comedy club and watch other comics and study what's working. You could interview another comic. You could go to a Toastmasters meeting right. and, and learn a little bit about communicating. There's so many other smaller steps you could take. Read, uh, there's a, we had a guest, uh, Judy Carter, who wrote the Comedy Bible. You could read the Comedy Bible. 
and learn, you know, from the lady who teaches more comics than anybody I've ever come across. So there's lots of things you could do to start growing your comfort zone. And these would be like your mini steps. And each time you take one, your comfort zone grows a little bit. But what's really cool is after you've taken four or five of them, you go, whoa, now stepping on the stand-up stage doesn't look as big as it once did. I said that right. might apply as much to, to uh, jumping out of a plane because there's not a whole lot of previous steps. Like you could take the indoor skydiving, I suppose. Uh, you go through the training and maybe you could go through the training and say, I'm not sure if I'm actually going to jump, but I'm willing to pay for the training. I mean, there's probably many steps you can take, uh, but probably not as many as most other things. I've jumped out of a plane and I know that the only way I did it was that I had to basically book the appointment and then get ready to do it. <laughs> I jumped off the stratosphere here in Las Vegas first, and then I booked my, my, sky, my jump. Wow. You know what? I think I could jump uh, out of a plane easier than the stratosphere. So you. It was scarier. I won't lie. It was scarier standing on that pedestal and knowing that the ground's 855 feet below. Yeah. I think it's different jumping off of that than getting pulled out of the plane. <laughs> did you hear that on Facebook? Because I think I, I saw. Oh, yeah. You had a it's video all out there. there. I have documents of everything. Okay. See, I, I did just to just dwell on this for five seconds. Yeah. I did 18 months where I booked something new that I've never done before every month. And I held myself accountable. And the way I would do it too is I would post it on Facebook. And of course, we can always delete this. But I would say, I'm going to skydive this weekend on Friday. So by Monday, everybody's looking for pictures. I want proof. And I'm like, I got to hold myself accountable to my tribe. You know, it's just the way we've got to do that. Otherwise, we'll chicken out or we'll have an excuse. But for 18 months, I did this. And sometimes it was skydiving. It was whitewater rafting. I bought a motorcycle. I got a motorcycle's license. I redid the motorcycle. I taught myself to snowboard. Not everything's an adrenaline junkie, crazy sport. Some people thought I had a death wish. They thought, oh my gosh, what's wrong with her? Um, but some of it was just horseback riding in the mountains, you know, stuff I hadn't done since like summer camp when I was nine years old, but it forced me outside of who I am. I went repelling off the red rocks. I'm like, I'm bulletproof. I am bulletproof. Nobody's died yet. If you're okay with dying, you could do these. <laughs> as long as you're okay with dying, you can keep moving forward. But it expanded my relationships, my income, everything shifted in my life because you're expanding as a human being. So everything vibrates at a different level. So it was just so much fun. Uh, I need to do that again because it worked like crazy. I need to get a new list. It's hard when you've got like 18 of them that you killed. You know, okay. just went through them all. It's like, I need ideas, guys. Help me fill this bucket list, this next list, because it does make a difference. And it can be just, again, that one thing that terrifies you. Some people are white water rafters and they do that all day long. I had to get a life coach to coach me through that. You know, it wasn't no easy, okay, I'm, I'm getting your life jacket on. Yay, life is good. No, I had to get coached for two weeks before I got in the raft. So not everything's easy, but some stuff is, you know, it's, it's still that expansion of a, a fear of the unknown, basically. Yeah, I think, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a book, I think, like The Power of Yes or something like that, about a, a lady who said yes, I think, every day of the week for like uh, for a year. And oh, gosh. That was yes to everything. Like if somebody asked her out, like everything. And and I, I didn't even, like I, I heard an interview with her. I don't think I read the book, but I wondered at the time if she was married. Like does that mean if, if somebody asks you out, you're married? <laughs> but you don't believe in yeah. You? Does that still mean you have to say yes? Even like proposed? The, yeah. yeah. Like the Jim Carrey movie, uh, what was it called? Yes Man, I think. And that was, I think that was based mm -hmm. on her story as well. But, and the movie The Bucket List. I mean, there's something to be yeah. said about this because I did the same thing, Carrie, where I, I essentially said yes to the things I would have said no to before. I didn't necessarily yeah. have a system where I said, okay, I'm going to say yes every day of the year, but I did definitely dive in. 
And you know, one of the ones that was the hardest for me, which this is where people sometimes, like you said, we think of the adrenaline junkie things. And I, I actually did a talk called Living Your Own Bucket List because of just this. I jumped out of a plane, but for me, it was once I was done, it didn't hold any, like I wasn't super excited once I was on the ground. I was excited about the rush when I did it, but I didn't have the same mm -hmm. rush done. I was just like, it's done. But I'll tell you what was harder for me and lasted longer was I had never told my mother or my, even my grandfather that I loved them. And that was a major fear mm -hmm. for me to say those words. I was just raised in a way that even though I knew my family loved me, it was never said. And, but my mother always said it as I get older. Like I was never said when I was young. And then maybe I got 20 and moved away. I'm an only child. So I think something hit her that this might be any day could be the last day. He doesn't live near me anymore. Right. And so I started doing that. Well, that was a harder thing to strike off the bucket list than jumping out of the plane. So we all have our yep. thing, right? As you said. Yep. Well, emotional rejection is much more fearful than breaking a bone. Yeah, that's Way probably I think that's probably what it was. So we've covered a couple <laughs> things now. Yeah. Unbroken harder. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and you know, so already in, in this little journey we've had, we've covered uh, the idea. Of, well, first, we talked about what you did. We've talked about uh, the most common. That's a huge thing. The most common thing you find people run into, which is uh, the comfort zone thing, such a big thing, and also the benefits of expanding your comfort zone. So if mm -hmm. I take you down this path of the coaching side of things, one of the things I see all the time, Carrie, is that people struggle with the idea of having a coach and then probably just as a big a struggle is finding the right coach because I've noticed that there's a lot of coaches these days you know I had somebody in the show and he said yeah it seems like every day I open my door I trip over a coach on the way out to the sidewalk and he's a coach's coach he helps coaches so it seems like there's a lot of coaching now uh, so how Carrie do you recommend that people first of all why is it important to have a coach that's the first block for some people is why should I even bother and secondly how do you choose a coach in your opinion given there's so many people to choose from, how do you choose the right one? Well, that's a great, great question and observation. Back in 2005, when I started coaching, I actually had to stop and educate what a coach was. That's how much, how far we've come in 12 years. I'm like, it's a coach, kind of like a sports coach, but you know, not a consultant, you know, just it was a silly dance to even get that impression through like, what's a coach? Thank you that we at least get that now. There's a coach for everything out there these days. Well. If you look at it, we go through life with a teacher. Why would we continue without a teacher through the big parts of life? Just because you graduated high school or college doesn't mean we don't no longer need a mentor of some sort, especially a certain area of your life. So just being aware of the fact that you need a mentor is step one. Step two is seeing that coaching is not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength. And knowing that your favorite athlete out there has probably got multiple coaches, even though they're the best in their category, they still wanna be even better because your best, you know, always compete with your best version of yourself. The three reasons why you would hire a coach, in my opinion, is education. They're gonna know something you don't know, and you never know, and you don't know what you don't know. That's the biggest place most people play. If they just accept, I don't know what I don't know, and go forward, they're gonna find the right coach. So education is number one. Number two is accountability. You will always find an excuse to not do your goal or put off that dream until next year till next year one new year's resolution after another and you're still in the same boat okay so hold that person holding you accountable does magic which is like I, why i like to work with people privately they know by the next call they've got homework and it's got to get done you know and they don't dare show up to that session without it that pushes them forward even if it's just baby steps like you mentioned before the third reason is that outside perspective we see life like this 
we've got our blinders on. We're like, why isn't this working? I can zoom in in seconds and go, well, you're missing a link here in your marketing and you didn't do any follow-up here. Your leads are literally falling off into the never, never land. You know, it's like so crystal clear. Plus as a coach, I'm not emotionally attached to what's happening in your life. And I can physically see, because I'm on the mountain here looking into a valley versus you just being stuck you know, in that moment. So I'm sure you've heard the saying, you can't see the forest through the trees. You can't, you got to get up on the mountainside, you know, you kind of see it from that perspective. So those are the three reasons I personally believe you should hire a coach and have those three components in place. Hiring one is a challenge. Even I have a challenge and I've worked with many beautiful, wonderful souls. Um, I think chemistry is number one, connecting. You've got, this person's your co-creator in your life. This person's by your side. I like to be the guide from the side. I want to co-create your life with you. Why? Because I'm super selfish and want to see the results, you know, up close and up front. You know, it's more fun. You can speak at an event, but you don't know whose life you changed that day. They could go home and make a change in six months. And it was because of something you said, but you don't get to, you don't get to see the fun part of, oh my goodness, I did what you told me, unless they circle back. And that doesn't always happen. It's a small percentage that do that. So I like to see the wins. I want to celebrate them along the way. So chemistry is a huge one. You need to hire the person that is already where you want to be. That's really where it goes. I would rather hire someone that's been through the process than someone that's just read about the process. There's a huge difference because we know what it looks like, tastes like, smells like to walk through that fire because we've already been there than someone who's like, oh, I'm just educated professor over here and I've got a degree in it. Fabulous, but have you ever been there? Have you been a single mom that was coaching out of her car on a lunch break just because she wanted to build her business on the side so she could be a hands-on mom in the future? That's the kind of person I want to hire, you know, someone that's gone through it and, and obstacle or not, they made it happen. So that's the key. And that's why I think it's so important for us to share our stories from the stage, share our stories and like, like we are today, podcast interviews on social media, because that's what's going to pull in your client. It's that commonality. Oh, I'm a single mom. I want to work with Carrie, you know, that kind of thing. And it's not a, not a surprise that a lot of my clients are single moms. So I, I love that Carrie for a specific reason. Some, one of the things that whenever I'm talking to coaches in general, just can't, let's say at a networking event, casual conversation that I hear from people is whenever I bring that up, you know, the idea of, I'll use an example, a coach that's saying, I'm going to, I'm going to, I can coach you to become a millionaire, let's say, as an example. I, so many people will say, well, but are you a millionaire? Well, that doesn't matter because I know how to coach. <laughs> and so they, they, right. they, they lie back on the, um, the idea of, I know how to coach, so it doesn't matter if I've done it. And the worst part is the athlete world and the, and the music world yeah. and those acting world gives them the right to do that because, you know, right. coach, there's a lot of great coaches that maybe played minor league hockey, but haven't actually right. played the NHL, but they've been yep. world-class coaches. It's possible, but I really believe yes. that that shouldn't be the, the, the out for every single coach in the world to say, well, you know, I might not have done it, but I'm a good coach, so I can get you wherever I need to get you because right. I just have to ask the right questions and guide your answers. Yeah. So I'm glad you said that because for me personally, I think there should be some element of the coach having traveled some journey and not just went through a classroom. Right and been certified a life coach and say, well, I know how to coach people, so I can get you to wherever your destination is. It doesn't matter if it's going to the moon. And I've never seen what the moon looks like, even in a picture. You know, I think there should be some element of it. It's like the plumber yes. that says, well, I, my own plumbing's backing up, but that's because I'm too busy with other clients. No, I think <laughs> you do your own plumbing when you come home, at least for the right. sake of your family. So yes. 
So I'm glad you said that because I think that's an element of choosing a coach, but I see a lot of coaches will tell me, oh, don't worry about that. It's just a matter of the chemistry and that's it because I can coach you to do anything because I'm a coach and I know how to coach. I might not know how to, this is what I take from it. I might not know how to achieve, but I know how to coach. Right. But for me personally, I always want to choose somebody that to work with that they might not have had to travel the same path. Like if I've done multiple TEDx talks, they don't have to have done multiple TEDx talks. But if they're coaching me on speaking, they should have been on a stage. That's just my right. Yes. <laughs> so I agree. And I so agreed. the other side too of what you mentioned there is in terms of the, the chemistry and, and feeling this is the right person. Here's a question for you. I just love to get your thoughts. It's not to sort of put you on the spot, but I just love to get your take because I'm, I'm a, a member of a coaching group and some of the people in the group are speakers, but mostly it's coaches. And they had this conversation the other day, and I'd love to get your take on this. The conversation was about fees. And this lady said, you know, how can I deal with this situation? I have a customer saying to me, um, you know, your fee is X number higher than this, these other coaches I've been looking at. And it seems like mm -hmm. everything else is the same. And so we all have been in that situation as a speaker. Obviously, there's speakers that are out there right now somewhere paying $500 to be on a stage. And I'm being booked to speak and be paid multiple times, many times that to speak on a stage. I get mm -hmm. that you're not going to be at the same fee level. But the flip side to that, Carrie, is what do you say to somebody? And I'm thinking now the speaker listening who might be looking to hire a coach or maybe a speaker who wants to get into coaching. What about that situation where there's somebody who is at, let's say, $4,000 a month fee as a coach or $2,000 a month fee as a coach. And then you have somebody else that's at 10000 and you can't see any differences. Is there, like, is, in your opinion, and I, I understand, like, we, we all want to hire the best, but what kind of, what, how do you decide on something like that as the person, you know, hiring the coach? If you have a chemistry with both and everything looks equal, but one, say, 10,000 and one's five, a lot of people will say, well, I'm going to try to save money where I can, but at the same time, you want the best quality. And yet, we all know with coaching and speaking, there's no, like, this is your fee you have to be at. So I'm just thinking, you know, mm -hmm. how would you advise a client if they come into that situation or you might even run into where you're a coach and they're saying, Carrie, I need a coach for speech coaching or something like that. And I'm looking at these two people. Yeah. What do you think? What do you, what do you, would you usually go by? Maybe you're looking at hiring that two different coaches. What would you usually judge by or how do you decide on that situation? You know, that's great because there's so many perspectives to this. And I talk about money from all angles, from the clients, what do I charge? And, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, other clients are like, I really want to do this. Should I invest in this? I, in fact, I just gave a, my feedback on a proposal to a client of mine yesterday for a sales funnel. And I just said, this is what I see. The, don't There's some hidden fees they aren't talking about over here. So it's really not a deal. It's still the same price if you're comparing apples to apples in the long run. Now, the thing is, it's again, it's back to, and I've spent 10 grand plus on just, you know, a quick down and dirty session with certain clients, or I'm sorry, coaches. And the reason why I chose to spend X amount of dollars with this person was their mindset because they walk the talk. On social media, they truly were walking what they teach. And that's huge. Watch people. You have every right. It's so easy to window shop these days. We're all over the internet. You know, then and the and your social media and your website is your storefront window. So make the most of it. Are you practicing what you preach? Because I was watching this person three months prior, and again, my first online mentor, I'd been watching her for four years before I hired her. So it's not even about the price at that point. It's you are who you say you are. I'll do it, you know, whatever price point that is. I trust you. So it's the no like and trust factor too comes into play, and it has to be there for anyone to purchase anyway. 
if you're not out there, you have no right to really truly claim any fee if you're not seen, you know, and, and known. Um, when it comes to a coach, just to say this in general, fees to me, I know what I give. I'm a, an overgiver. I'm just one of those coaches that wants to just jump in the canoe and row with you. I don't, I have to balance my, my fees because I know I'm going to dive in. You know, if I don't charge more, I'll be hurting later because, you know, it's like, oh, now I'm scrambling to get 10 more clients because I charge too little. So I know that up front. And it's also value, expertise. Who's been around longer? Who's, who's got some success stories with their clients? Because you're not paying a an hourly wage. This isn't anything to do with the employee mindset. This is value. This is expertise. A surgeon is going to charge more than a, some pediatrician over here because of his expertise, his or hers. You know, you don't want just anybody cutting you open. You want this expert to do it, and they're going to be more expensive. So it's more of the expertise and value. Look at their track record. What are they going to give you? Again, the chemistry. If you resonate with them, you just love their story. Who cares about the money? Because in all honesty, the more skin in the game, the better you're going to show up as a client anyway. So you want a price that kind of stretches you, to be honest. And I've seen that with my clients. The low ticket ones aren't quite doing the work. They're kind of overlooking it. I'm an option. The higher ticket ones, they want, they're in it every day, bugging me, emailing me, texting me. I've done it. I did this. What's next? They want their money's worth. And I like to coach that client better. And I'm sure you can relate too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I asked you that question, Carrie trying to myself have no skin in the answer but at the same time you know I, I get it totally i ask the question because i run into it all the time well, not all the time but not as much as i used to but i run into the question still but on the speaking side as you know i mean a speaking fee i mean tony robbins is getting paid a million dollars to speak somewhere right. Right now, or somewhere this week and and there's speakers like i said that are doing rotary talks for free and there's speakers that are paying to get on a stage and so i had people say to me well corey you know, why should I hire this person for this versus that person? Or why should I hire a person? Why shouldn't I hire this thousand dollar speaker? And, and I'll say, you know what, that thousand dollar speaker might deliver at the highest level. I can't say they right. won't. But going back to your point, what I usually like to take them around to is, is you're not paying for Corey of yesterday. Yesterday, if you would have hired me for a thousand dollars 15 years ago, you would actually, in my opinion, be paying more than you are today, paying me multiple times that because of the fact that you're getting my 15 years of experience since. Mm -hmm. You're getting my learning how to speak in the dark at a conference recently, actually. Uh, <laughs> you're getting my, all the books I've read since then. You're getting the 4,000 plus interviews I've done with high achievers. Right. You're getting all the times I failed on yep. stage so that I could succeed at <clears> your <throat> stage, et cetera, et cetera. The, even the stories I've accumulated, you're, you're, to me, you're paying for all of that experience. It's actually, if you worked out the numbers, you're getting me for less than minimum wage. You know, if you were- right. I spent. So I think, it, it, like you said, I think that's an important point, Carrie, is, is what am I bringing with me to the stage based on everything I've done already to make sure when I show up on the stage for you, I'm going to do everything I can to deliver at 110%. Right. But like you said, that is the challenge because from a client's perspective, they're just thinking, all I see is you're a speaker and you're here. This person's a speaker and they're here. <laughs> you know, why are you three times the amount? And so I just thought I'd get your take on it. So I love that. And at the same time, too, I do believe, I still believe you get what you pay for. I think there's some times where, you know, there has to be a common sense part, too, where if it's somebody that's, you know, saying, I'm $100,000 for 45 minutes, and the other person's, you know, 5000 Right. 5000 is still enough skin in the game for you. And 100000 you'll have to remortgage your house twice. I mean, I think you have to also use <laughs> common sense, too. But I think right. as long as it's within reason for the results. And then I think that's, you said about value. I think the value is probably the results you're going to get. 
And sometimes people overlook that. They're thinking right. cost, let's say, but they're not thinking the total cost of ownership versus the results they're going to get and what's that results worth. If you pay $5,000 for somebody, but they increase your revenue by $10,000 a month and you pay $5,000 once or, you know, or $2,000 a month or whatever the number is, then that's not spending money. Right. So anyway, I just right. wanted your take on that. It's definitely supply and demand in the speaking world. If someone's booked and they've got lots of clients, they have the right to charge more. Mm -hmm. They're in demand now. And that's kind of where I'm at. I don't want, I don't, I'm not going to take in another new client unless it's really exciting and fun for me, you know, cause I'm looking at my schedule going, there's less carry time if I take on five more people, you know, and it's, I'm all about the balance and lifestyle. So it's, people can charge that when there's a waiting list too. But in the speaking world, I'll be honest with you, because I booked, you know, I just booked one for 16 minutes. So it was $8,500 plus, you know, the hotel treatment, the limo treatment and all. 16 minutes on the stage. This person's brand spanking new to speaking. Brand spanking new. What is the difference? It's the self-worth. It's the knowing what I bring to this table, what I bring in value, what I'm going to do and change, what I'm going to bring 150% of myself to the stage and knowing you're worth it. And I'm not getting on a plane unless you, unless you charge or, or we're going to pay me that much. It's a lot to do with self-worth. This is an entitlement at all or cockiness or ego. This is, I know what I bring and I know that I'm worth this. That's half the battle in charging because that's the only difference that I see as a speaker's agent between you know, X speaker and Y speaker is the self-worth experience versus I've got this, I'm going to do this and I'm worth, I'm not going to even get on a plane unless it's five grand or more. And that's kind of how I coach my, my clients, my speaking clients. Well, and, and Carrie, this, I, I guess that, you know, I guess that's a good follow-up question because we are talking the speaking world as well. And then what I'll probably do is start us winding down with some, I call them rapid fire questions, but you don't have okay. to answer them. Any faster. I'm cool with that. <laughs> okay. So, but before I go there, in terms of the speaking side, this is something that I started accumulating a while back and I found it's done wonders for, you know, those clients that are on the fence, if you will. I, I kind of, I send them this document and I found like 85% of the time, it's the thing that makes it happen. How important do you feel it is for a speaker to have results-based testimonials? And so what I mean by that is, you know, if you're speaking to, let's say, a corporate client, mm -hmm. it might be a corporate client that provides it, but let's say it's an association. Sometimes the association planner, you know, they might say, well, he came to the event and we had high scores, but they're not talking results in their life, but the attendees might be. So what I started doing is people would be emailing this and they'll even tweet and say, you know, I just saw one today that I got to go to the person and say, hey, can I add this to our, our testimonials? Yeah. But they said, I attended Corey's 4-H talk, whatever, you know, a year ago. And it was like, actually a year later, I didn't even know. And they just tweeted it. And we put a mastermind group in and here's how the mastermind group has helped us. And like Perfect. you said, those invisible ripple impacts, you don't even yes. know what happened. But yes. I used to, early on, I would, I would say, thank you so much. And I was so humbled they did it and I would keep it, but I never use it. But then all of a sudden I decided, why don't I put together a results-based testimonial document? So it's like a hundred, let's say, testimonials of people saying, this is how you changed my life. You gave me the kick in my butt that I needed mm -hmm. to go back to school, and now I manage uh, three rental companies. You know, exactly. whatever. Yep. How important do you think, as a speaker or even a coach, is it to have results-based testimonials and not just testimonials that favor you in a certain light? I think results-based testimonials are very powerful, and as a speaker agent, it helps me book a potential client on a, get them on stage. 
um, it is a more of a challenge. It's not easy. Sure, they can be in the moment testimonials and those video ones are the best if you can get your phone out quick or somebody like what you think just as you're coming, you're literally coming off the stage and they're still riled up in the emotion of what they just heard. Get their immediate feedback. Those sell like crazy. That's perfect for your promotional reel or sizzle reel. I always encourage you add those in. Um, but it is a little harder to go back and go a year later or six months from now and get that ripple effect that we mentioned, but it is powerful. And I've got a lot of clients that do add that to it, to their press kits and so on of the company grew, a, you know, 30% over a six month period, just from the, you know, the leadership tools I taught them. Something of that nature is powerful because everyone wants the, well, are we going to take away anything? Sure. Everyone can get, stir your soul and get you all emotional, make you cry or laugh. But did I learn anything? What tools can I take away and apply to my life or business? That's where the big stuff is. And it's super important to have those. Well, it's interesting. You can get them. well there's a book I have right here. I just happen to have right next to me uh, by Alan Weiss, who's, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if you know who he is, but yep. he wrote uh, probably six or seven books along the same type of series. But this one's about speaking. And it's actually called Money Talks, How to Make a Million as a Speaker. But one of the things that he mentioned in that book, going to the point we just mentioned that I love, he said, every day of the week, if I had to choose, I would rather have a company that I made uncomfortable, that made a change, that enjoyed a transformation six months later that I never even got the credit for, than to get a standing ovation at the time mm. that didn't mean anything six months later. Yes, I couldn't well, agree more. But most speakers don't think that way. Well, a lot right. of speakers that I, I've talked to over the years, like I got the standing ovation, they loved me. Yeah, but did you, was there a change? You, I can go out and do a talk and say, here's why you guys are awesome. I heard you're doing, you know, you have a 5% growth this year. Maybe 5% isn't even a big growth, but you're doing awesome. I heard you guys are killing it. Uh, you know, this, the company loves you and I can just do a raw, raw, raw session. Right. I, I love this speaker. This guy's awesome. And jump up and give a standing ovation. But you might not think the person's so awesome if they're saying, you know what, I know last year he did 15%. This year he did 5%. Let's talk about why that happened. You know, or, or, and, you know, and I've been talking to the management and here's what they feel the challenge might be. Or I understand from, cause I'll do surveys. I actually send it a survey beforehand and I understand that um, there's been a lot of downsizing and that's impacting things. Nobody wants to hear that from a speaker. Right. Right. But sometimes they need to hear that from the speaker. Yep. So again, I used, I, I used to work for a very well-known business coach as his publicist and his favorite thing. Cause I managed his 52 city, city tour one year. He said, I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm an educator. Because I find that if you motivate stupid people, they'll just do stupid things faster. So, you know, <laughs> just motivate them, but they don't know where they're going. I'm going to do this, but how? You got to educate people. So you've got to always have some kind of tools. That's just my experience and what I prefer to call myself when I'm on stage. Love An it. Educator. So, I, I love it. That's awesome. With your permission and his permission without knowing him, I may do that someday. Go ahead. You I can have it. It's not trademarked. Okay. Uh, so, Carrie, I said I was going to ask some quick questions as we wind down. Yeah. Uh, so the first one of those, and, and you can relate this to coaching if you want, or business practice, or, uh, you know, usually we ask in our radio show, we usually ask this just generically. So just as mm -hmm. a general question, but I like to tie to whoever I have on the show uh, for the expert side of the speaking program. So our radio show is called Conversations with Passion. So mm -hmm. I'd love to get your thoughts on, and you can insert whatever word you want. If some people don't like the word passion because it's overused now. You can insert purpose or your why or whatever you're calling, but do you think it's important, let's say, uh, when we talk about coaching and blocks and what have you, do you think it's important for a person to be following their passion and what they're doing if they want to, let's say, overcome a lot of the challenges that are going to come along the way? Or do you think it's okay to just be passionate, let's say, 
about business and not necessarily the business you have. And I say this because I've heard different people throughout the years I've had conversations say, well, I'm not passionate about what my business is, but I'm passionate about business. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, based on working with people, have you discovered any commonalities or is it better to be passionate about what you do or do you think it doesn't matter as long as you're passionate about some aspect? Just let me get your take on that. Well, I don't use it just the word passion. I use soul calling or your zone of genius. I call your zone of genius. This is from The Big Leap, um, the book, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And I use that in all my coaching. I have my clients take that and read it right away. Well, we have a show here in the U.S. called Shark Tank, and I'm sure you've heard of it. And those entrepreneurs, those sharks are passionate about entrepreneurship. But you'll know they'll jump in and, and want to partner up with something that resonates with them because there's a little spark like, ooh, your story, maybe it's the entrepreneur's story or something sparks them that motivates them a little bit more to give a little more effort into this business. Maybe they're into health food and it's a health food supplement. So I truly believe it is the missing ingredient that so many people have and maybe they're unhappy because they're missing this ingredient. When you're not in your zone of genius, it's just the beautiful gifts God gave you when you came to this planet. The skills that almost feel effortless, the stuff you would do for free because it's fun and easy, is where your business should really be. It should have those components in it at some point. The passion is what doesn't go away when the days are hard. That's what gets you through the hard days. Because if you don't have that pull at your heart, like I have to do this. If I die tomorrow, I'm a happy girl. I've been pulling at my purpose all day long, every day I left a legacy for my daughter. Life is good, I feel good about that. I can kiss this planet goodbye with happiness. If I chose to consistently stay in other people's dreams in a cubicle somewhere, Carrie Lynn would not be happy today saying, you know, tomorrow could be my last day. There's something about a much bigger picture to what we do every day. I believe truly in my soul that people were brought here with a mission and that's to uncover what that is and make it happen. And yes, you can make money doing anything. I've created it over and over again with my clients. It can be the most strangest thing. It could be a dog walker. It doesn't matter if you're passionate about it. You can make money doing it because it's in that zone of genius and read that book because in the zone of genius is where abundance flows. It's where things really truly take off. So I know it's a long winded answer, but I had to get, go there. Cause you know, that's a big part of who I am. <laughs> so the, the book itself is called, you say it's called the big leap, the big leap. I know I usually have it right here. It's kind of got on the cover, like a, a goldfish jumping out of a little bowl into a bigger bowl. Oh, you know what? I've seen that cover before. Unless it's on multiple books, I've seen that cover. So Yeah, no, I've seen it. I just, I wanted to make a note. So the big leap. So we'll make sure that we also get this out to people as well and and share that because obviously this is a book that, as you said, you recommend to every client. So that sounds- Helps you get into that zone. Most of us stay in our zone of excellence, which is what the world tells us we're good at, what our resume says we're good at, but we can die. Our spirit will die there. You're, you're just not, not, not to be too graphic, but you're not, you won't reach that fulfillment of the zone of genius, which is like, you're, I can't believe I get paid to do this. This is so easy and fun for me. That's where everyone should play, but we get stuck in that zone of excellence because the world tells us we're good at something. I, I you know what? It's funny. I love that. And, and I have to add in too. Uh, I used to say this on the stage and there's some things I used to say and it resonated with people. And then I, you know, then you stop saying it. And then later on, you're like, why did I stop saying that? And this is one of those things I used to say, which I, I firmly believe. And I used to have images that back it up in that. But I used to uh, say that every day I'm writing a book. And as long as I can be happy, if I close the book today and I died tomorrow, can I be happy with the book I've written? 
And then mm. I, I say to people, I'm already on like volume 12 and I've been happy with each of the books. Sure, there's some pages, you know, that I, you know, if I had to choose, I might not want to relive. But the <laughs> truth is, I'm writing a book and I'm happy with the book. And I said that to one of my clients and he said, you know, Corey said, I always used to say, and I thought this was even maybe cooler, but like this really spoke to me when he said it. Yeah, I used to say that, uh, you know, I look at my life as an entrepreneur, as a painter, and every day I'm painting, and today it might not be a Picasso, but it's still a painting in somebody's eyes. Yes. And true. so, I, did, I, you know, like you said, it's just, I think if you're out there doing what you love, whether it's writing a book, meeting with your life, so whether it's really writing a book or just writing a book in theory, uh, or whether you're painting in theory, or you're really doing it, at the end of the day, if you can be happy with it, Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that's, I think that's one of the biggest keys to happiness that so many people either don't realize or overlook. Right. You know, I've heard the number, I think the percentages I've heard, and I don't know how true these percentages are, because if you don't like a study, as they say, you can just go make up one tomorrow. <laughs> but I've heard that less than 5% of people, I've heard this multiple times, they say, will find their passion in their lifetime. If that is true, first of all, that, that's so sad. But secondly, imagine if we could just help another five, you know, 5%. So if yeah. it's 5% found it now, and we've done all we have with in the world, imagine just another 5%. We don't need 80%, just another 5 Right. So, and that's what we're talking about here, finding your, your soul's calling or your purpose or your mm -hmm. passion, whatever word you want to place on it, it's that fire in your belly, at least for me it is, yep. that right. I never want to get extinguished now that I've had it. Yes. So, totally can't, good. can't imagine life without it. I am with you. <laughs> so how about now the second out of my three questions that I'm finishing off with, success. How do you define success? I know that's a big question because I ask it a lot. Well, everyone's definition is different. To me, I just wanted to master, and this is it's funny how we will set the bar low at first and then it grows. When I was working in the corporate world and it was, you know, everything kind of shifts and shakes and there's an earthquake usually in your life as change shows up. And unfortunately, the earthquake sometimes takes a little longer before the dust settles. Just ride it out. Things aren't falling apart. They're falling into place. I had left um, an, an ex-boyfriend of four years. We were looking at rings. I called off everything. My ex-husband left Las Vegas, left me with full custody. Uh, I was getting demoted in my current position because the whole job thing was shifting underneath my feet, which is a sign from the universe. Time to go, Carrie. It's time to go. You need to move forward. You're waiting too long. Everything was falling apart. I hired my online mentor. I was creating this business. All I wanted was life to get calm again wanted to not have the guilt of not being full on a mom because having my baby girl was a miracle all by itself. And I didn't want to let go of that responsibility. I took that very seriously being a mom. And I wanted to still have the hands-on mom and hands-on career. You know, I wanted to be able to juggle both. So to me, just being able to let go of the corporate life forever and step into entrepreneurship forever and never have to post my resume on a job site ever again was success to me. And then of course we create more and more and growing into a house that's double the size of the last one and all these other little benchmarks. But to me, just mastering life balance where I can be present with my family and loved ones and be present with my clients from my jammies, if I choose, was success for Carrie. And the bills get paid. Life is good. So that's really been mine. Is I want calm. Do I want to be on stage every five minutes? Yeah, that'd be fun. But at the end of the day, I'd be shaking the boat on the lifestyle and the balance part. So to me, balance is success. Love it. So, Carrie, my last official question, and then the unofficial one is going to be, how can we learn more? Uh, that's just a heads up. The last official, uh, official one is, if you were able to sit across from an 18-year-old version of yourself or a 16-year-old version of yourself, I mean, you really, you could probably picture this speaking to your child as well. <laughs> but based on what you've learned in the years since, all the sort of trials and tribulations, and you could give her one or two pieces of life advice, what do you think you might tell her? 
don't focus so much on your appearance. It's more about what's on the inside than on the outside. I got very caught up in that Barbie look appearance and it, it consumed me. I learned eventually that it was well, how you make people feel at the end of the day than what you look like walking into the room. What, are you, what imprint are you gonna leave on this planet? Um, you know, the, the knowledge and so on that we get to create as a legacy is way more important than how your teeth look in a stupid picture. You know, because I came from the pageant world and the modeling silliness as a teenager, and I was really caught up in that. And at the end of the day, it's really what kind of value can you give this planet? Who cares if your legs have chubby cellulite to them or not? At the end of the day, did I give value? That's what I would tell her. Awesome stuff. And Carrie, I don't know why, you know, this just came to my mind, but one of the things that you talked earlier about in terms of watching a person's safe social media page and then going you know, this is a person that is walking their walk, if you will, or talking their talk. And I have to say, you know, as a comment, just as a generalized comment, you know, I've been following your Facebook page for, I don't know how long it is now. I'd be just throwing a number out, but maybe it's two and a half, three years. And I have to say, you're somebody for sure who sort of walks your walk. I love that you have uh, quotes up. Your images are always really polished, which, you know, I think- That's marketing. <laughs> but yeah, but I was gonna say, that's a thing that even people overlook. Like. I, I experienced this firsthand. I don't have any in front of me, I guess, but I, I put a book series out like way back. Like I say way back is like 2010, which really isn't that long ago, but it feels like it now. And I put out five books in the series, which took me till 2014. And that's only three years ago. But basically what they were is interviewing uh, leaders, similar to what I do with our show and what have you, but it was in a book form. So it's kind of like sharing their stories. And we basically had maybe 75 entrepreneurial stories shared in this book. So it'd be like chicken soup for the soul for entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. and so we shared these stories, and I'll tell you the hardest part of the whole book, harder than writing it, harder than editing it, harder than anything else, was getting quality photos for the pictures for the people's chapters or stories yeah. for the book. Yeah. And these were all entrepreneurs, some of them running thousand-person companies who mm -hmm. basically couldn't. And so we, we gave them, I'm talking like six months by the time we asked them if they wanted to be in the book until it was done. And I still had some saying, you know what, here, just run it with this picture. And they were sending me a picture of them like, out at a local brewery and they're having a selfie. A selfie. <laughs> yeah. So what I mean is like, but it sounds so small, but people don't see this. And I have to say that having those high quality pictures sets an impression mm -hmm. that can set you miles apart from somebody. And all it really takes is finding the right photographer and being willing to invest the money. Yes. But I have to say you're walking your walk because when people see those high quality photos and then you always have great quotes with them, which is the, the giving value part, I think there's something that subconsciously you're doing in their eyes that makes them feel like this person is that I don't know the way you want to word it but that person that's at the next tier versus mm -hmm. the person that you know I go to their page and they always just have the party pictures and their, right. their main picture is a picture of a donkey you know a cartoon picture of a donkey or whatever on Facebook you get where I'm going but but the point is you're living it so I think that's yeah well it shows the world I'm serious this is my business it's not about oh look at me this is not ego it's my face is my brand and my logo. That's what people remember, name and face. So take it seriously. You wouldn't just you know, scratch up some crappy logo. Nike put a lot of money into theirs. It's something we see. Take the time to show your best version of yourself because your face really is your brand in this business. So take it seriously. There's <laughs> well, one more super duper quick question before I just ask you how we can mm -hmm. learn more. I know we went over time, so I won't keep you okay. any longer after asking this question, but what's your thoughts on this? And I'm just asking because obviously, like you said, there's a marketing component to it. But whenever I ask people in the branding side of things, I hear two different answers. So I don't think one's right or wrong, but I'd love to get your take on it. 
about the idea of your, your polished pitcher, let's say. I hear some people say you should just have, you only need and you should just have one pitcher and that pitcher should be everywhere. And then I hear other people saying, as long as they're polished and consistent, even if they're, they don't look the same, different outfits, what have you, that's fine as well. My head goes to, if you're just gonna have one pitcher, how do you, let's say, if you wanna have quotes in your pitcher, how can you have the same pitcher with different quotes all, and people are gonna get sick of it and or they're gonna go, well, I already seen this one and not even read the new quote. But I guess I hear both. And definitely on the branding side, maybe that's traditional marketing thinking, but I hear it so much that, you know, everything, even on your Facebook, everything should be one, the same picture and everybody should be able to go, that's him, that's him, that's him everywhere. But that kind of takes away from the idea of having that, maybe that spontaneous new picture that pulls their attention. And I know you have more than one. So I'm just wondering your thoughts on that. It's the consistency of the colors and branding in your photos more than variety of photos. My profile picture is the same on all social media platforms. I do keep that consistent and on my website and on the cover of my book for a reason. You know, it's all book sales. I want them to recognize that face because that's got the book sales, that's the book cover. Um, on all honesty, variety is fine. In fact, I would get sick of the same, 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 same. Variety is fine. You're capturing your energy in a photo. Show us your silly side. Show us you laughing. Show us you're serious. Show you, you know, casual, professional. Give us all of the aspects to your beautiful self, not just one way only, because you're always going to get someone that's going to go, oh, that's so corporate. He's got a tie on, and, you know, that wants a more casual approach. And then you're going to have that person that's like, oh, he doesn't look professional. He's in a t-shirt. So you've got to have it. Show us your personality. That's all that really matters. Love that. And it's funny when you said about, you know, the person that's in a t-shirt and then you think some people build the brands in a certain way, like a Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, who yep. Yep. sometimes... I, I think I've seen one of his talks where he's wearing a rip shirt. I'm pretty sure I was trying to look like a hole. I mean, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> he's known for wearing like the jeans that might have a hole in them or a t-shirt. Yeah, but that's brand. <laughs> but key thing is he doesn't, like you just said, he doesn't just wear the same shirt and same jeans simply because that's right. a brand. He might right. have the same one across social media, but he's posting pictures regularly that show him always wearing shirts. And so there's still a consistency that he's wearing shirts and jeans and not a suit, but there's not, like you said, it's not just the one picture. Oh, right. in everything he does. So I love that answer. So I just thought I'd get your take. So the last, and I'll call it the unofficial question. I mentioned it a couple of times, but Carrie, for people that are listening and saying, I love what she stands for. I love what I've heard today. I want to learn more about her. I want to get on her Facebook page and start following and seeing these great quotes, whatever that might be. Maybe they're looking for a new coach. Where would you normally direct them if they want to learn about and, and connect with you and find out all things at Carrie Millspot? <laughs> well, CarrieMillspot.com is a good start. Um, thankful, I'm very consistent with the naming and branding and domains, and I tell my clients to do the same. People who recognize your name, they won't remember your business name. So, But I am a Facebook junkie. So seriously, in all honesty, Facebook messaging works like a charm. You're going to get me direct, quicker, and faster. If you're not a Facebook junkie person like myself, completely go to carriemillspaw.com and just click on contact. There's a little pop-up actually that pops up on my website says, let's talk. You can leave your details there. I'd be happy to connect, happy to schedule a quick consult. Go to the blogs. If you just want to do video blogs weekly, there's some content there that just you want to have that feel good moment for the day or a little empowerment, you know, filter through that and get what you need out of that. And there's lots of free tools on my site as well. Awesome. Well, like I say, Carrie, Mills Paul, this has been an absolute pleasure. I knew it would be. I'll call it a to be continued with your permission. And <laughs> I totally think you'd be a great fit for our radio show. So maybe we'll talk about that off, offline. Absolutely. All oh, in. Perfect. So that sounds great, Carrie. So thank you again for spending the time with us today. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.